Let us pray. God, take our ears and hear through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire for Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Well, our gospel reading today is a story about water. Uh, It's a story about a well. So when I was just a year out of college, so a while ago now, I had a chance to spend uh, six weeks down in the country of Haiti. I was at that age when I was trying to sort of figure out what matters to me, uh, what I might want to do with the rest of my life. And so I was able to stay with uh, some missionaries that the church I grew up in supported, uh, some folks that my family had long known. And they were wonderful. They were experienced. uh, They were wise. They were helpful. And while I was there, I sometimes would help out with the crew uh, from another NGO, a non-governmental organization, a crew that dug and repaired wells. And one time I went out on a project with them, and we drove out from the capital of Port-au-Prince, ours, to a little village, a tiny village, right on the coast. And these folks clearly didn't have much, but they were very generous, they were very welcoming, uh, and they were very glad to see us because they didn't have a reliable source of water. And I was struck by the dissonance of that scene because we were surrounded literally by an ocean full of water and yet they didn't have enough to drink or to cook with or to wash up with or to water their crops. They needed a well that worked. Now, I don't remember that I personally offered much helpful assistance on that trip, but the crew had brought along some useful equipment And the villagers uh, working with the crew were able to repair the well. And they got the water they needed. And so there was much joy and there was much gratitude that night. In the story today from John 4, uh, an unnamed woman also finds what she needs at a well. At noon on a hot day, she comes to draw water. And she finds Jesus, as we're told, sitting by the well. These are two very different people. Samaritan woman and a Jewish man and they're alone and the woman is very aware of the cultural expectations and the social tensions in that moment she says in this story how is it that you a Jewish man ask a drink of me a Samaritan woman and just in case anyone any reader misses it the author of John goes ahead and adds in Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans now, often when we read this story, we are, we are tempted to disparage this woman uh, because she's come alone at noon. Certainly, she must have been ostracized by the community because she's had five husbands. Certainly, she must be immoral and disgraced. But here's the thing. The gospel runs through her. This woman is held up as a model of faith, of faithfulness, of what it looks like to believe in Jesus, to trust Jesus, to follow Jesus. She asks good questions. She's every bit the equal of Nicodemus, whose story we heard last week. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a leader of the Jews. She is very much his match. She is not afraid at all to be direct, to be honest with Jesus. And at the well, she finds what she needs. And it's not just water for the day. In fact, at the end, she leaves the scene without her water jar at all. What she found was the living water that Jesus promises. She found the source of grace and healing, and hope, and loving kindness. And not just for her, she went back to the city and told the people, come and see. And so it begins to ripple out through the community. At the well, she found what she needed. She found Jesus. 
In this story, and in stories throughout the scriptures, um, a well is a potent symbol. Now, I, to my knowledge, I've never lived in a house that drew water from a well. I, I was a city kid. I'm still a city kid, so we just turn on the tap and it flows. But I'm wondering, how many of you would have grown up uh, in a house or home or property that drew water from a well? <laughs> I, maybe I shouldn't be the one preaching this sermon today. It centers a woman, and I identify as a man. It's about a well, and I've always just turned on the tap, so... I think next time around, some of you are going to be up here preaching this sermon instead of me. So for many of you, and truthfully for much of history, wells have been a source of life. In the story, Jesus promises not just water, but living water. He promises a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And so in the story, the well is a symbol of, of the kind of life, the kind of life together that Jesus makes possible. And as I've been reading this story, it occurs to me that now, as much as ever, this is an important one for us to hear, and for us to hear as a congregation. And here's what I mean. At this point in our culture, um, COVID is sort of in the past. There's not many places you have to wear masks anymore, not many people that wear masks anymore. I was at a concert last night at Keller Hall. I saw very few masks there. But the impacts of the pandemic are still very much with us. And one of the impacts of the pandemic is that Portland Mennonite Church, our congregation, is now much more of what I would call a dispersed network. Now, I've been part of Portland Mennonite Church for a long time. And uh, 15 or 20 years ago, this congregation was smaller. And at that time, we functioned much more like a single cell. Everyone knew everyone. Everyone pretty much went to everything. Well, as the church grew, that shifted. And pretty soon, everyone couldn't know everyone else, and there were too many things going on to go to everything, so people didn't, and we began to function much more as a network. Not everyone knew everyone, but these people knew each other, and these people knew each other, and these people connected to common ministries, and as a church, we shared a spiritual connection to God, God we've known through Christ, whose spirit binds us together. But post-pandemic, we are much more of a dispersed network. Post-pandemic, um, we guard our time more carefully. We've learned to connect differently. And one of the results is that, truthfully, not as many of us are here on Sunday mornings as used to be, although today, pretty good crowd. Um, some of us connect now online, and some of us uh, later listen to the sermons online. Uh, at least that's what people tell the preacher. And <laughs> truthfully, the preacher is pretty happy to hear it, so... What that means is we don't often share the common experience of worship together in the same way, where everyone's more or less in one place at one time, week after week. What happened on Sundays was pretty central. Now we connect to worship in other ways. And for some of us, worship isn't a primary connection. Our primary connections are to small groups, or our primary connections are to ministries of the church, uh, like Family Promise uh, Metro East. And I want to be clear, all of that is good. All of that is very good. It just means that we're functioning now more as a dispersed network. Here's the thing, though. A network is not necessarily a community. It can be, but not necessarily. The connections that people have to each other are not in themselves enough to generate and to sustain a living, vital community. So... Um, 
Martin Buber, who's a Jew Jewish philosopher, has a wonderful quote about a community. And I, in fact, I shared this with our, our leadership table that met last uh, Tuesday. This comes from probably his most famous book, I and Now. And he writes, true community does not come into being because people have feelings for each other, although that's required too, but rather on two accounts. All of them have to stand in a living, reciprocal relationship to a single living center, and they have to stand in a living, reciprocal relationship to one another. A community is built upon a living, reciprocal relationship, but the builder is the living, active center. True community requires two things. People standing, living, reciprocal relationship to a center, and then living reciprocal relationships to each other. But what drives it is the living, active center. So connections that people have to each other are not in themselves enough. That's a network, not necessarily a community. What we need to be a community is what that woman found at the well, a living, reciprocal relationship to a living center. Jesus is the center of our faith. That's what makes this dispersed network can make a dispersed network into a distinctively Christian community. Jesus is the source at the center, the source of the grace and the wisdom and the hope and the strength and the patience that we need in order to live together as part of God's beloved community. Now, I heard another story a while back about a, a visitor to Australia. This visitor was out with a rancher who had a vast property, had a huge herd of cattle. And his visitor asked the rancher how he built enough fences on that great property to keep his herd together, to keep them tended and healthy and connected. And the rancher replied, it isn't the fences, it's the boreholes, it's the watering holes, it's the wells. My cattle know where to find their water. Not fences, but wells. The woman at the well knew where to find the water she needed. And then she went back to tell the people in the city. And she bears witness to us still. Jesus is the center of our faith. And so however you connect to Portland Mennonite Church, whether you're here this morning, whether you join us online, whether your primary connection is at a small group or through one of the ministries of the church, however you're part of Portland Mennonite Church, and wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith, this story is an invitation to deepen your life, to deepen our life with Christ. And it might be like the woman right now, you just got some big questions you need to ask first. Or like the woman that might be learning that you can be completely open, that you can be vulnerable, trusting in the amazing grace of Christ. Or maybe it means like the woman bearing witness to what we believe Jesus makes possible by living out his gospel of love and justice and mercy. However you connect, wherever you find yourself on the journey of faith, the story is an invitation to deepen your life with Jesus. I often think of that small village on the coast of Haiti, surrounded by an ocean and needing clean water. Uh, as far away as we are in Portland, we are not really so dissimilar because we are also surrounded by an abundance. We have so much, with so many things, so many experiences, so many opportunities, but we don't always have what we most need. And not just what we most need to, 
uh, just to live or just to get by, but what we need to make a meaningful, uh, graceful, beautiful, hopeful life together. So this week, uh, when you turn on the faucet or perhaps when you draw water from your well, uh, when you fill a glass, when you're cooking, when you're washing up, when you're watering the plants in your garden, in your yard, remember Jesus. Jesus who promises living water and drink up. Amen.